one of my passions, I realized, is teaching. And I realized I really love doing this. And so it's kind of this whole process of once you understand your core values and what matters most to you, the universe kind of brings what you're meant to do to life. But you have to kind of shed the old you. You have to kind of let go of the the notion of what you think success is and what society thinks success looks like. The number one regret is I wish I had lived a life that was authentic to myself and not what others wanted from me. And I think that is what we're all searching for. Welcome to the Worthy for 30 podcast. I am your host, Eric Tash. Join us as we delve into the world of impactful business leaders who are setting the bar high. Worthy for 30 carefully curates its guests, engaging with business trailblazers who embody the ethos of doing good while doing well. In each episode, we extract actionable tips and wisdom from these visionaries, offering you a blueprint to merge success with social impact. Ready to elevate your business game? Let's dive in and learn how to do good while thriving. Worthy for 30, where purpose meets profit. Welcome to the Worthy for 30 podcast. I am your host, Eric Tash. Uh, This podcast shines a spotlight on the business leaders who are making a difference while achieving success. Today, I'm honored, we're honored to introduce Lan Fon, the founder and CEO of Community of Seven, an accomplished author and a captivating speaker renowned for her insights into purpose, mindset, and continuous improvement. Uh, Lan's expertise has garnered attention from Fortune 500 companies where she advises top executives on navigating the ever-evolving landscape of business and innovation. Her thought leadership can be found in prestigious publications such as the Harvard Business Review, Forbes, and Money Magazine. As a keynote speaker, Lan has graced prestigious platforms including the United Nations, Stanford University, and events hosted by Fortune 100 companies like PepsiCo, Warner Media and Disney with a reach of millions annually on LinkedIn and YouTube. I highly recommend following Lan on, on LinkedIn and YouTube. Lan's content resonates deeply across diverse demographics, making her a true beacon of an inspiration in the business world. Join us as we delve into Lan's journey and glean insights from her remarkable expertise. Welcome, Lan. Ooh, hey Eric! So excited yes, to be here. Yes, so I'm so excited. I, as we were we were talking right before we started recording, you know, we've known each other, you know, for ten plus years. The way I know Lan mm-hmm. is, I was relatively new at Prestige Brands, which is an over the counters, over the counter products company up in Westchester, New York. Lan reached out to me and to my boss Albert at the time, saying, "Hey, I'm Lan. I'm from the Association of National Advertisers, the largest client side." brand marketing organization in the United States, I'd love to talk to you about Prestige Brands becoming a member of the ANA. And I remember Lan coming to the office. And the great thing about Albert is like, I know the ANA. Uh, When I was at Procter & Gamble, we were ANA members. So I I understand, but there was some time in between, between Procter & Gamble and Prestige. And Lan did an incredible job on explaining all the benefits and the value that the ANA provides uh, to both individuals and organizations. So, you know, Albert and I, we dove in head first. We got the entire marketing organization involved <laughs> at the ANA, thanks to Land's help. And then, you know, I left Prestige Brands, Land left uh, the ANA. We both went our separate ways, but we remained in touch over the years, you know, in the, in the, in the, in between years. And now, Lan about what was it 2020 2021 when he started the community of seven 
2020. It was the height of the, the pandemic. Height of the pandemic. So, <laughs> can you talk us or walk us through the 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 inception or the thought behind Community of Seven, and then from that thought, like when did that happen? Like, I want to put together this organization, and then to its start. But I also think what would be very helpful as a, at a just at a high level, what is Community of Seven? No, definitely. So, I guess I have to probably give you the origin story first to kind of understand why it was started because they don't make mm. a lot more sense. But, you know, on the surface, I felt like I had my shit together, but I really didn't. You know, I graduated from Stanford, Harvard, had a lot of career, perceived career success, C-suite roles, and I was climbing the corporate ladder. And what I realized was I really wasn't happy. The truth of the matter was hiding behind all of that. I was miserable. I was putting work in front of my family, in front of everything that I said I loved. I was barely sleeping three to five hours a night because I was so focused on work. And, you know, I had left ANA and then I went to Fortune magazine and it was you know, probably the end of 2019 where I got hired and Alan Murray, who is the CEO of Fortune magazine, hired me to build a startup within Fortune uh, called Fortune Connect. And I was given a multimillion dollar budget. I was supposed to hire a team of 100. I got to hire number five. March rolls around. The pandemic happens and I'm Mm -hmm. laid off the first time I've Mm -hmm. ever been laid off. And I had to lay off my entire team who had been gone to hire number five. And some of them had literally left jobs a week Mm -hmm. prior. So the guilt was deep. But I just fell into this depression because who am I without my job? And so I wore the same sweatpants for (laughs) a month. (laughs) Didn't get out of bed. I would cry uncontrollably. And I realized that I didn't know who I was without my job. And so finally, it was my daughter, Morgan, who was five at the time. Just her voice saying, Mommy, I love you, even without a job. And that just pulled me out of this deep, deep depression. And I realized I was being so selfish. Because I was selfishly just mourning this loss of my identity And I realized that I had my husband, my daughter that needed me, my family, my mother who has dementia that I'm supporting. And I realized that I needed to get my shit together. And so I, what really helped me during this time was focusing on how can I be of service to others? How can I help others? And so I met up with the team that I had to lay off. There was five of us, me being six, and my daughter would be number seven. And I told them, we're going to move our mission from starting a company, (laughs) a startup, to helping you find your next job, or I'm going to build my company and hire you back. And so we met every week, and all of them, to make a long story short, ended up getting a job. And then I started this name community of seven popped in my head and I had no idea what I was building at that time but I just literally one day while crying in a pint of ice cream watching Netflix with my husband I just 
never, you know, I hadn't built a website since my days at Stanford University, which was a long time ago. I was like, okay, I can't afford to pay someone to build my website. I'm going to learn how to build it. And so I built a website, Community of Seven. And I was like, I'm going to figure what this is. I have this Mm -hmm. name. It's, you know. And so it started off, I think, the origins of it. I was like, okay, well, I understand membership and communities. So that was, you know, I was at the ANA. I helped build the CMO Master Circle at the ANA. I helped. I was the general manager of CHER, which is the gender equality initiative for the advertising industry, Fortune Connect. So I was a serial entrepreneur building startups Mm -hmm. within companies. However, it's a lot easier when you're doing it with other people, <laughs> people's money. <laughs> when it's, it's your, your own, own, yes, your it's own a different story. it's much difficult. Yes, it's a different story. And you have to pay yes. the mortgage and feed your little one. It's, you know, there's a lot of risk involved. And so I switched gears and I started, you know, from trying to build Fortune's company within six months, I built Community of Seven within six months. And the first iteration, there's been many iterations, it was really a membership community because that's what I knew. And so I started curating what we called core members. And they were like CEOs of companies or founders or C-suite executives, people like Rodney Williams, who's the president of um, Diageo Canada, and just amazing people like yeah. Nita Malik from Carta. And we would just meet every month and really talk about what our values were. So this is kind of where this curriculum of my book, Do This Daily, which is releasing soon, kind of originated. And it was really born from me trying to understand why was I put on this earth? What was my reason for being? And I realized I had never asked that question before. I had basically been living what society wanted me, what society thought was successful, what my parents wanted from me, my bosses. And I never stopped and asked, what matters to me? And so once I started to really dig deep into that, I started creating and identifying my core values. And my core values, what's the most important thing to me Mm -hmm. is my family, my friends who are my chosen family, my faith, being of service to others, and freedom. None of my jobs in the past fulfilled any of those, any. So even though I thought fortune was my dream job, you know, literally a week, two weeks before I got laid off, I was like, I could see myself retiring here, (laughs) right? Right. Because it was a dream job. I was on the executive team. I was reporting to Alan Murray, who's like, you know, a legend in the industry at a storied brand. And it was a great culture. But I didn't realize till looking back that, I was also coming home 10 o'clock at night. I said my family's a priority, but I only see my daughters on the weekends. And on the weekends, when I do see my daughter and my husband, I'm too exhausted to be present. So my relationship with my husband was cracking. My daughter barely saw me. And if I said that my family is the most important thing to me, there's a disconnect. So I started to shift from the notion of, you know, in the past, I would look for jobs that had the right pay, the right title, the right prestige, and then I would try to build my life around it. But what inevitably happened is work always pushed everything farther and farther away. And 
I decided to change my life and really transform it from the inside out and basically create the life I wanted to live and then create the profession and everything else around that. And it was a big paradigm shift. So basically working for my core values, what matters most to me, and then building my career and everything around that. And so I started to do that, that whole notion with my core values. And it started to change everything because I always say life is like a GPS. If you don't have an address, how do you expect to get to where you want to go? Intentionality and knowing what matters most to you is that address in the GPS. Granted, you might be able to get where you want to go without putting an address, but you're probably going to have to do a U-turn. You're probably going to Mm -hmm. take the wrong turn. It's going to take a lot longer to get where you want to go. Or you might, you know, accidentally go off a cliff. I didn't want to do that anymore. I am at the what I call the third quarter of my life. And I don't have time to wait Mm -hmm. for happiness, to wait to live the life I want to live. There's really this impatience in me. And so even with that, and I was talking about the iterations of Mm -hmm. Community of Seven, I realized that the membership community, though I loved working with these executives, I still had this this notion of how how can I be of service, not to people who are already successful, but to people who need it the most. And so I started launching these bi-weekly micro learnings and let's talks that free, you know, to anyone on via live stream, via YouTube, mm-hmm. LinkedIn, Facebook, etc. Cuz I wanted to reach someone in Kenya, someone mm-hmm. in Australia, someone in Tokyo who couldn't afford leadership training cuz leadership training and development is expensive. An executive coach costs anywhere between 600 to 1000 dollars an hour, $60,000 for a 6 mm-hmm. months period. I know because I had to get to the top rung of my career before anyone offered me an executive coach. And so there's there becomes a disparity. And so I kind of shifted and I realized that the life I wanted to live maybe kind of was really about creating content. And so I started writing this Mm -hmm. book, Do This Daily. And I was like, how can I help more people? And so that was kind of the the genesis of the shift. And then, you know, a lot of these, this content that I create Mm -hmm. is free. I, you know, post daily on LinkedIn. First as community of seven, grew that to 250,000 followers on LinkedIn. Then I started posting as myself maybe a year or two years ago. That's up to probably like 116,000 or so. And then Facebook, maybe 50,000. But this is all free content. Because I was like, how can I help the, the most people? How can I be of service to other people? And I believe that my faith in terms of like, how do we mm-hmm. do good in the world is very prevalent in that. But it doesn't pay. And so one of my passions, I realized, once again, you're testing and learning, is teaching. And I went back. So I got my master's undergrad at Stanford with psychology. And I got my master's in teaching curriculum at Harvard. And I was like, I Mm -hmm. I love teaching. And I, I always told myself, one day, I'm gonna go back into teaching. I just didn't know it was like, adults (laughs) in corporate America. Um, And so I started doing training and development, keynote speaking. And I realized I really love doing this. And so it's kind of like this whole process of once you understand your core values and what matters most to you, the universe 
kind of brings what you're meant to do mm-hmm. to life. Yeah. Right. But you have to kind of shed the old you. You have to kind of let go of the, the notion of what you think success is and what society thinks success looks like. And it, it makes me think of Bonnie Ware's book, The, the, the Five uh, Regrets of the Dying. So Bonnie Ware is a palliative nurse. She deals with people in the last days, weeks, months of their lives. And she asked, you know, 100 patients, what's your biggest regret? The number one regret is I wish I had lived a life that was authentic to myself and not what others wanted from me. And I think that is what we're all searching for, to get out of that programming that says we need to make a certain amount of money. We need to Mm -hmm. look a certain way in order to be happy, because that's basically I mean, I'm a capitalist, but I also understand that the capitalist system requires that we feel inadequate so that we will buy more things. We can't be happy. We can't, you know, it's about finding who you are without all of the, the noise in the world. So that is the long answer to your question. <laughs> uh, of the community of seven. So, so no, it's a, it's a great answer. It's great context. It's a great background. And we'll get into do this daily in a, in a moment. But there are a couple of things I just want to pull out. It's around, um, first is identity. So when LAN was first starting, I think I went to the second micro learning session with Paulina Pompliano of The Profile, who was also oh, yes. a guest of the show. And one thing that and who also, and worked, also at worked at Fortune. And also worked at Fortune, <laughs> exactly. And I think she also had that same inflection about, do I want to be Paulina at Fortune or do I want to be Paulina of Paulina? Like, do I want to own my identity, own my narrative? And what really struck me, and one thing that she, she brought up on, on the episode that we recorded together, was this, how do you attach your identity to what you're doing? So do you want to attach it? Like, for instance, like you work at Fortune magazine, but that's, that's ephemeral. Right. Whereas if I'm building something, no one can fire me. This is mine. This is. Well, yeah, I remember actually talking to Paulina after, you know, after we both, she had actually quit Mm -hmm. like a week before I got laid off. And she was saying this moment where she was, I think she was in San Francisco or Silicon Valley. And she went to this venture capital firm and someone in the waiting room was like, you're Paulina. And she was waiting for them to say, you're Paulina from Fortune. But he had said, you're Paulina from her newsletter. And that blew her mind. Because yeah. it, it's one thing to be kind of recognized for your association with the company. Mm-hmm. And it's different for something that you create. There, oh, it I just hits imagine. different, you know? And I think also what I see a lot because I work with a lot of executives, their identity is in power and everything is so tied to that. I'm with fortune 100, whatever it is, fortune 100 company, fill in the blank, P and G Unilever, all Mm -hmm. these big brands. And then when they retire or they leave these companies, they're no longer getting these calls to be on stage. They're no longer getting these VIP treatments to the Forbes and the Fortune events, Mm -hmm. right? Because that invitation wasn't for you. It was for you in that title from that big brand because you had this amount of advertising budget or Mm -hmm. whatever it is. You know, maybe you're the chief technology officer. 
And you can start feeling a lot. And that was kind of me feeling going through this deep depression because who am I without this company? And so when you're able to build something of your own, it just hits different, right? And, you know, I don't know if you know this about me, but I, after college, after graduating from Stanford, had gotten into teaching for a little bit, but I actually was in the music industry for at least five, six years and a pretty successful company. I created Hype Agency with my business partner, Esther Yoon. Mm-hmm. But I was a booking agent. So I would make money from booking artists all over the world. We booked one of the first Coachella, Bonnaroo. We booked probably like 10% oh, wow. of the artists. And so we were pretty mm-hmm. successful, right? We, we were probably one of the fastest rising booking agencies in the US. And one day I just quit and people couldn't understand, but you're, you're doing so well. And I had this realization that And for reference, booking agents get 10, 15, 20% of an artist, Mm, whatever they make. Okay. So I was a a booking agent, but also a manager for certain artists. And I was like, I don't want to be 10%, 15% of someone else's career. Mm -hmm. And that was the aha moment for me. I want to build my own career. I don't want to be dependent on another person for my 10, 15%. That's big. That's a, that's a, that's a huge, uh, yeah. like a huge insight that, you know, perhaps wasn't acted upon in, right then in that moment, but, you know, years in between, it kept, you probably perhaps kept on coming back to, okay, how do I get that, you know, that, that hundred percent of whatever, whatever I put in or whatever yeah. I took out. Yeah. Cause even when I went into corporate, I was still building other mm-hmm. people's brands. I was building other people's companies. Right. Right. So I wasn't fully living that goal Mm -hmm. eventually i think i'm getting there Mm -hmm. but i think it was that realization that i want to build something that i own i build something that i own that and that reflects my values the the core values the core fundamental values and what's what's interesting land is about a couple years ago i don't know if you met ever met uh jay mandel who uh he also created his yeah i think you introduced me to him him before your brand coach and his whole, like the, the part of his exercise, like the first exercise he does with his clients is having them articulate their core values and how do those core values align with what they're doing professionally. So I think it's an incredible exercise for the people who are listening, you know, to, to try to think through what are your core values? Like what are those things that, that are immovable or mutable that they can't be changed uh, despite anything that you're doing professionally or personally? And are you able to articulate them? You know, I, I think, you know, being a people person and what you're saying about being of service, you know, I, I try that. That's an aspiration. That's part of the reason why I started the Worthy for 30 podcast mm-hmm. is to be of service and being of service. And what, the other point when you were discussing about the community of seven, it's Genesis and where you are today, Lan, is you're right. When you are of service, when you're, when you're not thinking about yourself in the act of giving and you're not expecting something in return, life conspires for us. I believe yeah. that's mm-hmm. my belief is that when I'm doing something mm-hmm. out, of, out of consideration and I'm not looking for, you know, adulation or, you know, thank you, thank you, thank you. It's just who I am as a person. Again, it goes back to the core value. So what you're doing at scale is incredible is being of service. Yeah. And, and the thing too, is this, it's not just 
hokey pokey law of abundance, right? Your brain, you know, there's a reticular activating system within our brain. Mm -hmm. And that reticular activating system looks for things that are important to you. But if you can't articulate what's important to you, you're not going to be finding those opportunities. That, there's a, the reason why when you buy a red car, you start seeing red, you know, Prius cars everywhere you go. Mm-hmm. It's a reticular activating right. system within your brain looking for right. these things. It's a reason why when you're 18 and 19 and babies are crying, you are not phased. But when you have a child and you hear a child mm-hmm. cry, you feel it in the yes. gut. <laughs> Of your soul. <laughs> yes, you do, right. Because you you just hear a baby and you're like, that could be my yeah. baby, right? Your reticular activating system is searching for these things. It's not just, uh, you know, uh, law mm. of abundance or and all this other stuff. It's also about our brains are hardwired to look for the things that matter to us, but we have to be able to articulate it. That's why when I first, you know, I work with a lot of CEOs and executives, and the first thing I ask them is, what brings you joy? 95% of the time, there's quiet and they can't, there's no answer. Mm-hmm. What I always say is, if you can't articulate what brings you happiness, what brings you joy, how do you expect to live a life of abundance and joy? You have to pause and you have to be intentional with what matters most to you. Yeah, uh, absolutely. You, you you need to take that step back. Again, you need to take that that moment of whether it's serenity or quietness, you know, to just figure out, you know, and put on paper again, what, what brings you joy again, not, and it's not something that could be purchased. Like what you were saying, like, yes, we're, we're capitalists at the end of the day, but buying that additional thing is not going to bring us that intrinsic happiness. No, no one is on their deathbed thinking, I wish I had spent more time at the office or I wish I had finished that report. What they're thinking of is mm-hmm. who did I love? Who loved me? And did I live my life to the fullest? You're not thinking, ah, I wish I had bought one more thing. You're, you're not. No, absolutely. You're not. One question I have is that I like to ask uh, guests is that there's a the famous Steve Jobs quote, or at least I think it's famous. Actually, it's a famous quote from his 2005 Stanford commencement address where he says you can't connect the dots looking forward. You can only connect them looking backwards. So looking backwards from where you are right now, Lan, like what are those dots uh, that you, you accumulated over time that now that you're at this point where you have community seven, you're growing it, you're continuing to grow it. You're releasing a book in April. What are those dots and how have you connected those dots? I think the one learning is that everything is mm-hmm. connected. That even our deepest pain and shame is a lesson if we only open our eyes to it. And I do disagree with Steve Jobs because we can only connect the dots if we are in the present moment. Mm-hmm. We have to acknowledge the past and we have to be aware of the right. future, the future we're creating but we have to be focused on the present moment. And I think pausing, being able to really put all of the stories together, because I always think of like 
I, I used to have a lot of shame growing up. I grew up in poverty. Uh, I grew up Vietnamese refugee family. And I was always ashamed of my background. I, I wish I was a, a Lan. I wish I was a Jan or an Ann. Anything but a Lan fan. <laughs> um, and then now I'm so proud. Even when I got married to my husband, I was like, I'm not changing my last name. Right. <laughs> I'm keeping the fan because that's who I am in my identity. But, you know, there's this, this saying that, you know, when you shine your light on what used to shame you, it no longer has power over you. And I think for me, it's really, you know, I'll give you an example. So I was in marketing for 20 years. That's how we met. And one of my biggest regrets was I wish I had graduated Stanford. And instead of going into education and the music industry and then real estate, I did a few <laughs> things before I got right. into advertising, um, real estate investment. I wish I had just went straight to an MBA program and, you know, I would be a CMO at a, you know, Fortune 100 company. That wasn't my path. I ended up teaching. I was a gang prevention counselor working in East wow. Oakland with some of the most uh, troubled kids. And I realized that all of those different le lessons from being in the music industry to being a teacher got me to where I am today. The pain and suffering that I mm -hmm. went through growing up in Inglewood, California, in poverty, helped me with so much empathy it also gave me a work ethic like you can't imagine because there is nothing that will drive you to do your best than to be able to leave poverty and being able to support your family. So that drive I had was because of the hardship. And I think that's the what you can kind of take away if you were to kind of use Steven, Steve Jobs' analogy is that a lot of times everything is connected and everything is a lesson. There is no negative thing that happened to you. It, it has always happened for you. And I always think of Viktor Frankl mm -hmm. and Man's Search for Meaning. And there's one quote in the book, and I read this my freshman year of Stanford, and I remember highlighting it over and over again. And it's this. Between the stimulus and the response lies a space. In that space lies your freedom and the power of your response. In your response is growth and happiness. And I realized that what was happening to me was happening mm -hmm. for me. And I had power over those situations by my decision to act and my, the response mm -hmm. I chose. And so no one could make me a victim. Right. And I had power over my life through the decisions I made and how I perceived life and how I chose to make each decision daily in my life yeah, it, it goes back to the intentionality of again of how you perceive mm -hmm. things and i i want to land i want to round because this is a great segue into round the honor conversation about your book that's coming out in april because it's about all these lessons that you've accumulated over time and perhaps specifically your leadership at community of seven for the person who is listening mm -hmm. and i'm going to include an amazon link so you can purchase or pre-order uh, land's <laughs> book 
What can they expect from this book? What can they, what are they going to be taking away? Yeah, really, it's a daily guide that will like a blueprint to help you transform your life so that you can really live your purpose. For me, it's kind of broken down to four secrets. But between you and me, they're not secrets. You should, you know this. I'm reminding you of these things that you already know. And that's why I hate the <laughs> self-help industry because everyone's like, you know, watch me. I've climbed Mount Everest. Right. Follow me. I believe we all know what needs to, what we need to do to transform our lives. But we get so stuck in the other people's stories and life. And, and so the four secrets I go by, you know, number one is what matters most. Number two, focus on your, you know, your mindset creates your destiny. So we talk about growth, growth mindset, fixed mindset, but really you have to believe that you can mm-hmm. in order to change. And it's really about dealing with the negative stories that we tell ourselves, mm-hmm. right? I always say there's this one line in the book that I, that I wrote and it's in the beginning of my book. Stop waiting for someone to save you. You have always been the hero in your story. And I think we spend so much of our lives waiting for, you know, a mentor, Mm -hmm. a sponsor, you know, a guru to save us. But we have always been the hero in our story. And I think that's our mindset. You know, that that story I gave about Viktor Frankl and, you know, between the stimulus and our response, Mm -hmm. that space. That space is our mindset set. That space is our belief in ourselves, betting on ourselves when others might mm-hmm. doubt, doubt us. There's enough people in the world that's going to tell you, no, don't let it be you. And then the, the third secret that I go over, I'm using air quotations, is really about... You know, this this whole notion of, you know, the first one we talk about what matters most two being your mindset. Three is really about consistency. If you want change. You need to be consistent. So it's about daily habits and actions and um, creating systems within our lives. And the fourth secret and last, which sounds very yeah, duh. <laughs> is in order to change, we need to become. So I always say that in self-development and transformation, we make change so complicated. Follow these seven steps and eight steps. There's only really two ways to change. It's what you add into your life and what you take away. So that's why it's essential for you to understand Who is the person I want to be? And what are the things in my life that I can add and I can take away? And there's a lot of things that you can kind of divide, you know, these additions and subtractions. Mm -hmm. But usually they kind of fall in four main quadrants, which is, you know, your mindset and your habits. And then the third is really about um, Mm -hmm. your environment. And the fourth is really about your community. So there's been studies that have been done that have shown that uh, drug addicts, et cetera, who go back into the community have a bigger chance of relapsing when they go back into their their normal routine and neighborhoods. Right. The ones that move, 
who lean into Alcoholics Anonymous, Anonymous and new friendship communities and environments are more likely to succeed. And I think that's the whole thing with change. Who am, mm-hmm. who do I want to become? And what are the things I can add and take away from my life in the process of becoming? And that's simply how we transform our lives. I think we are in such a mindset of like, right. go big and go home or go home, you know, in the U.S. And change really happens but from the daily decisions we make to just move closer to the person who we want to be. And that's why people get so overwhelmed with transformation because they're like, oh, my God, this have to, has to happen overnight, right? Or they start comparing their, themselves mm-hmm. to other. And this is just your race, right? And when you're able to really kind of just focus on your race, the things that you need to do in your life daily to be the person you want to be, that's when change happens. It doesn't happen. No, absolutely not. It's not, it's not a sprint. It's a, it's more of a marathon. And, you know, I'll leave you with this, you know, as I read Atomic Habits by James Clear, it was very interesting where mm-hmm. he gave the, the example of the person who the two people are trying to qu- quit smoking. There's that one person who's offered a cigarette and the guy is like, no, I'm trying to, I'm trying to quit. Right. And there's another guy yeah. who's offered a cigarette and the guy responds with, I don't smoke. So it's that mindset. It's that identity. Mm. Identify as a non-smoker. Identify as, no, I don't do that anymore. I'm removing that habit to replace it with a better habit. So it's all about identity. I think this whole yeah. conversation land, which I feel very, very grounded right now. Uh, it, it's very inspiring. It's all around identity. Like, how do we, how do we perceive ourselves? Not how the outside world perceives us. But how do we how do we mm-hmm. understand understand ourselves? And it's it's a lot harder than it seems because there's work that's involved, just like with anything in life. You know, anything that's worth doing uh, takes time, uh, and and trying to whether it's completely reformulate or reconfigure that mindset, or it's it's you know little revisions or little refinements over time. Again, it takes work. And I'm excited, you know, to get my hands on do this daily because I know it's going to be a, a great <laughs> guide, not just as something to read from cover to cover, but be a guide and resource, you know, as I continue on with this podcast with professionally and personally. And I hope the folks who are listening or who will be listening to this conversation land also find, and I, I'm, I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty confident that they, they found a lot of great nuggets <laughs> uh, to take away. And they're also going to be looking forward to ordering your book. So Lan, I really do appreciate your time this evening. Most importantly, I mentioned LinkedIn, you mentioned LinkedIn and some other great places where you're disseminating content, great content, free content. Where can folks find you? You can find me at uh, my book website, which is lanphan.co, not .com, then you'll go to a Vietnamese (laughs) car manufacturer parts. (laughs) <laughs> so yep. landfan.co um, and also please subscribe to mm-hmm. the YouTube channel on YouTube I think it's at YouTube and then community of seven or you can mm-hmm. look under landfan and we have tons of free content excellent, there as excellent. well well land again it's been a pleasure incredibly grateful that uh, again we were able to spend some time together tonight uh, about your journey your your evolution and your upcoming book and we hope you have a great weekend Thank you. Thanks, Eric. Thank you for joining this episode of the Worthy for 30 podcast. Stay tuned for more insights from impactful business leaders. Don't miss out. Follow us on all podcast platforms to catch every conversation.